0: good to be with you today. Love this time of year. Love this Christmas season. Um, Several years ago, I shared with you my top five favorite Christmas songs, and there's been an update to the list, and so I thought you might want to know. And um, just due to lack of time, I'm just going to give you my top three, because that's really where the shift occurred. So, a new a, a new song has come in. It's made the leap up the top of the, of the list, and it's gotten in the, made it into the top three. It's number three, um, and it's by Alabama, and it's Thistle Hair of the Christmas Bear. Now, how many are familiar with this song? Good. There's a couple of you. Um, I didn't know this song growing up, but... Um, this was my wife's favorite uh, Christmas song as a young girl. Um, and therefore, it's become a, it's become a Christmas staple uh, for us. I actually bought the vinyl of Alabama's Christmas. Um, and at the Kaufman house, that's now how we mark the beginning of the Christmas season. As uh, so you put the vinyl on and you hear about um, Thistle hair, the Christmas bear, spreading the good news everywhere. And so that's third. You need to know that. The second one, uh, if, if you remember, I'm sure all of you remember me sharing this list, but um, Bruce Springsteen, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. That's number two. That's always been one of my favorite. And then my favorite Christmas song, as my family uh, will tell you, is Any Version of the Little Drummer Boy. I just love that song. And, and when I say any version, I mean any version. My girls have even introduced me Uh, To Justin Bieber's version of this song and if you can like a song so much that you even like Justin Bieber's version where he says that he's a little drummer boy so dope dope and you even like that version of it like I even like that version of it um, you really like a song but uh, I share those things with you Um, my favorite Christmas album as a whole Uh, is When My Heart Finds Christmas, Harry Connick Jr. Like just as an entire song, entire album, if I had to listen to one, it'd be the one. And uh, I thought a lot about a song that's on that album this week as I have studied and prepared for this lesson to share with you. Uh, And the name of that song is I Pray on Christmas. And here's how the words of that song go. He says, I pray on Christmas that the Lord will see me through. I pray on Christmas, he'll show me what to do. I pray on Christmas, he'll help me understand. And I pray on Christmas, he'll take me by the hand. I pray on Christmas, that the sick will soon be strong. I pray on Christmas, the Lord will hear my song. I pray on Christmas, that God will lead the way. And I pray on Christmas, that'll get me through another day. And I thought a lot about that psalm this week because this morning, as we continue our study here in Ephesians chapter 6, my hope is that by the end of our time this morning, that we will all very clearly and succinctly hear the Lord's call to pray on Christmas. Last week, I shared the Christmas story. With you, um, but not from one of our typical texts. It wasn't from Matthew chapter one or Luke chapter two, but it was from Revelation chapter twelve. And perhaps it's not the Christmas story that you're used to hearing this time of year. Uh, there's there's no stable or manger in the story. However, there are angels, and there is a child. Instead of cattle lowing or an ox and lamb keeping time, we're introduced to a dragon. We learned last week that there's a dragon in the nativity. You know, the book of Revelation uh, is symbolic. It's difficult to understand. But in a sense, it represents a pulling back of the curtain so that we can see what's happening behind the scenes. And one just can't describe all that's happening behind the scenes literally. It's not just possible because so much of it is spiritual in nature. And so it can only be described figuratively and symbolically. And so in Revelation chapter 12, we do learn about the birth of a son A male child who will one day rule all of the nations, every tribe, every tongue. And we also learn of a dragon called the devil or Satan who wants to devour the child the moment he's born. So the birth of this male child causes a war to break out in the heavens. It's an epic battle between the archangel Michael and his angels and Satan and his demons. And this great dragon is defeated and hurled to the earth, filled with fury because he knows his time is short. The dragon wages war against all those who keep God's command and hold to the testimony of Jesus. You see, by pulling the curtain back, to see all that's going on behind the scenes at Christmas. We learn that due to the birth of this child, the church is now part of an end-of-time epic spiritual battle with the evil one. Paul reminds us here in Ephesians chapter 6 of that fact. He tells us in 6, verse 12, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so Paul ends this letter with a call to action. But it's not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And therefore, the armor needed for this kind of battle looks different than the armor needed for a physical battle. If you recall, Paul wrote this letter while in prison. Therefore, scholars suggest that it was likely that Paul was chained to a Roman soldier by the wrist, even as he dictated this letter. And so while chained to a soldier clothed with the physical armor of Rome... Paul urges the church to put on the spiritual armor of God. And even though Paul uses physical armor here as a way to describe the spiritual armor, please make no mistake, Paul's not calling the church to a physical battle. This is not supposed to be hand-to-hand combat with flesh and blood. The battle's not against flesh and blood. I think if you were to look throughout church history, the church at times has misunderstood its metaphors of battle as a call to being overly aggressive or even violent against flesh and blood. But this is a spiritual battle the church is being called to. In a spiritual battle... Is to be fought only with spiritual armor. And the armor needed for this battle is not shields, it's not swords, but it's the gospel, and it's faith, it's righteousness, truth, the Word of God. You know, it's significant that our king shows up for this battle. Not riding on a white horse with a drawn sword. But as a helpless baby in a manger. You see, this is a very different kind of battle. It's a spiritual one. It's a battle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, interestingly... The only time in the New Testament that the word spiritual has a negative connotation is in this verse, in verse 12. Paul wants us to know that there are spiritual forces of evil and that the church is called to stand together against them. And here's the thing that I mentioned last week. Now you know the context of Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20. You've known for years about putting on the full armor of God, but now you know why. Paul didn't just call individuals to put on the armor of God to fight our own little personal battles. The call is to the church collectively to put on God's armor and stand together as one person against the spiritual forces of evil. Remember, this letter is about unity. It's all about unity. Ephesians chapter 1, unity is the will of God. Ephesians chapter 2, unity is the purpose of the cross. Ephesians chapter 3, unity is the prayer of Paul. Ephesians chapter 4, unity is the point of the church. Ephesians chapter 5, unity is the design of the home. In Ephesians chapter 6, unity is the way to withstand the evil one. It's only by standing with one another that we can withstand the evil one. It's only by standing together in unity. The Jews and the Gentiles in the context of Ephesus have to figure out how to get along with each other because it's only by standing with one another that they can withstand the evil one. That's the message of Ephesians. If we can't figure out how to stand with one another we stand no chance that's the importance of unity and that's the message of ephesians now in 1st peter chapter 5 the apostle peter describes the evil one not as a dragon like in revelation chapter 12 but there, he he describes the evil one, the devil, as a roaring lion. I listened to a sermon uh, several years ago by Dr. Tony Evans. He's a pastor for a church down in uh, Dallas, Texas. And in his sermon, he asked this wonderfully insightful question. He asked the question, "Why do Ryan, lions roar? Why do lions roar?" I've never really thought about that. I don't know. Maybe you have. And I'm sure there are several reasons why lions actually roar. But the reason he talked about and said the primary reason is to chase away the hyenas. You see, hyenas are scavengers that travel in packs. They follow lions around because they like to eat the carcasses of the dead animals that the lions leave behind, and the lion knows that if it were ever to come upon a pack of hyenas working together, that the lion could not defeat the hyenas. So they roar in order to intimidate them from advancing toward the prey, and the hyenas get so intimidated by the roar that they forget about the power of their unity And so rather than advancing as one, they scatter. And Satan is like a roaring lion who divides and scatters the church with its roar. Has for centuries. But if the church will hear the call of Ephesians to stand together, then our collective power, the strength found in our unity, the force of our oneness will drive the lion away. So we must take this stand against the spiritual forces of evil together. Do not try this alone. We must be with one another. That's why for Paul, he wasn't going to allow there just to be a Jewish Christian church on one side of Ephesus and a Gentile Christian church on the other side of Ephesus. They were going to have to come together because there's only together that they could stand against the spiritual forces of evil with one another. And we must put on the spiritual armor of God because as powerful as our unity may be, it's not enough. The spiritual armor of God is also essential. Now, I could spend a sermon on each part of the armor this morning uh, but that's that's that 's going to be a series for another time. we don 't have time this morning to to do that um, and we've got to finish Ephesians before the end of december so but here 's what I want to say all, all I want to do this morning um, is connect the armor of God to the Holy Spirit of God. I think there's an important connection to make. And I want to do that for us this morning. Back in um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul writes, Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. In this text, he writes, Put on the full armor of God. And I want to connect the dots because basically it's the same command. Both are commands. And I think there's a connection. Be filled with the Spirit is the same command as put on the full armor of God. And the message is clear. Being filled with the Spirit, putting on the full armor of God, is essential for this battle. So just going through these verses, as we're filled with the Spirit, we put on an understanding of God's truth, the belt of truth. We put on an understanding of God's truth. But it takes being filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to have an understanding of God's truth. As we're filled with the Spirit, we put on knowledge of the righteousness of Christ. And so as we're filled with His Spirit, we we become more aware, have a greater awareness of the righteousness of Christ. Christ. As we're filled with the Spirit, we put on a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. As we're filled with the Spirit, we put on a dependence on the faithfulness of God. We depend, we put all of of ourselves and our dependence upon His faithfulness to us. As we're filled with the Spirit, we put on an assurance of our salvation. And as we're filled with the Spirit, we put on a great appreciation and a longing and a love for the Word of God. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit is essential for this battle because the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil. The armor needed for this battle has been fashioned and forged through the flames of the Holy Spirit. And so as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we put on the full armor of God. is that a great image? It's a pretty awesome scene, right? We, this picture of the church... Standing together as one, linked arm in arm, filled with the Holy Spirit. We've put on the full spiritual armor of God. That's a pretty awesome scene, right? To do what? As great as that scene might seem to us, what's it for? Because this is a call to action. Jews and Gentiles coming together as one person, putting on the spiritual armor of God for what? How does Paul call this unified, Spirit-filled church to engage in this epic, end-of-time battle. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. We pray. We pray. Not... As our last resort. Not, well, I guess there's nothing left for us to do but pray. But as our first priority, prayer. Were you expecting something else? Were you hoping for some new, innovative way to make a kingdom impact in our community? Paul calls the people of God, from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation, to unite together, to stand with one another, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and clothed with the full armor of God, in order to pray. And these are the marching orders of the church, to pray in the Spirit. We are to be filled with the Spirit so that we can pray in the Spirit. The church is to be strengthened and motivated by the Spirit to prayer um john bunyan years ago uh wrote a famous work that i remember reading parts of for the first time in elementary school uh but it's called pilgrim's progress and the main character uh in that story his name is christian if you recall And he's on a pilgrimage to the celestial city. And Bunyan tells the reader that while Christian is traveling through the valley of the shadow of death, he comes to the mouth of hell, which is spewing forth sparks and flames and gray clouds of smoke. And there at the mouth of hell, Christian takes out. Weapon. Bunyan calls all prayer A L L dash prayer. And then right after it, he puts in parentheses Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Bunyan goes on to describe all prayer as a kind of blanket prayer that covers all kinds of purposes. I love that because it's a great description of the call of the church in this epic battle. We're called to all prayer. If you've never noticed it before, the word all is used four times in this one verse. Obviously, Bunyan recognized that. You know, I'm always looking to underline and circle and highlight in my Bible, and so... This is a great opportunity. Um, I've written all prayer and then circled this word all four times. It's all, all, always, all. And if we just break this down, Paul writes, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. We pray at all times, regularly and constantly. All of life is to be prayed and not just lived with all kinds of prayer and requests. That's the second all. You know, if we're honest, most of our prayers tend to only be requests, but Paul says this is all prayers and requests. Requests for sure, but also praise and lament and confession and contemplation and intercession. And then the third all, he says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. All prayer is prayer that is defined by two specific characteristics alertness and perseverance. You recall Jesus called his closest disciples in the garden to this kind of prayer when he told them to watch and pray, to be alert. And to always keep on praying. And then the fourth all, praying for all the saints. You know, with all prayer, you never run out of people to pray for. The list is long. Because it contains all of God's people. John Stott, in his commentary on Ephesians, wrote, most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers and with some perseverance, making prayers for some saints. And then he wrote these words, which has been a great challenge to me this week. We need to replace some with all. All prayer, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, always keep on praying for all the saints. Church, these are our marching orders to pray. You know, the Christmas season is such a special time Celebrate the birth of Jesus with great joy, presence, family and friends. But I hope that this pulling back of the curtain on the familiar nativity scene, learning about the dragon, Spiritual battle caused by the birth of this child. Hope that it reminds us of our call as the people of God to pray on Christmas. It's a reminder of who we are. It's a reminder of our calling as our as. As a church and our purpose as a people. To unite together as one. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. In order to pray. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. Together as one. We ask, Father, for your Holy Spirit to fill us. To come with a spirit of unity. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit will strengthen us with power. Father, we acknowledge that uh, on our own, we have no strength. We acknowledge that our strength is only found in the Lord. We acknowledge, Father, that this battle requires us to stand together to set aside the petty differences that separate and divide us. To set aside those differences that mean nothing to you and much to us. Lord, we're thankful for your spirit. We're thankful for this call to us Lord, we're thankful that this letter of unity, that, that Paul brings it to this call to action. And, Father, we pr- I, I pray for our church. I pray for the church here at Southside. I pray for your church in this community. I pray for your church in this world to heed the call of Ephesians to unite together, to be filled with your spirit, to clothe ourselves with the armor of God, to engage in this spiritual battle, this epic end-of-time battle through prayer. Father, may our hearts be moved. May we be encouraged. May we be motivated May we be inspired through your word today in Jesus name, I pray amen this morning uh, I want to share an invitation with anyone who is here uh this morning who has not put christ on uh who has not put who not put uh their faith into Jesus Christ and and made him your Lord and Savior, we'd love to be a part of that uh, with you this morning. If you want to make that decision, we'd love for you to come forward and do that. Let's stand together and sing. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from.